Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello. Hi. We're back. It's back us again. Uh, fucking we are starting a cult. That's Granum Jake. It's true. We were just having a very intense conversation about the alternative rock from like 1999 to 2005. Creed, Creed yeah, specifically. We're, we're talking like Creed, all of those songs. Yeah. Like I couldn't even really give you other bands, but you know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, coming from a lips of an angel band. Yeah. You know? They got all that shit. We're like, What's going on with that? It sounds so sweet. That is a generation of music that really could be forgotten, I think, and nobody nobody would really miss it, you know? Ah, uh, come on. You, you kind of need it now. Oh, you need it. For it's like, part uh, of the puzzle. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's for contrast. It's a part of the puzzle, but it's one of those, if it never came out, would we truly miss it? <laughs> what was that song? It's like, I can be your hero, baby. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's like something like that. Like one of those, like they they want you to feel the intensity of an eye of the tiger. Yeah, with but the they'll, passion they'll never of something else. I don't know. They'll never replicate the passion. It's very. It's a lame genre. If you know that song, let me know what it is because it's stuck in my head. Because <laughs> we're not going to look it up. I can't get we're it not. out of there. <laughs> it's not worth it. Uh, but speaking of things that just won't come out of there, yeah, we're going to talk go. about Wake. There you <laughs> Perfect go. Perfect segue wow, again. That was masterful. But uh, yeah, we're gonna. So we we told you last week how we got to uh, the the violent parts of the story. Yeah. Now we're gonna get to the the siege. Yeah. You, you know? were looking for some terrible things. Here here we are, and uh, there you go. Yeah. This is. I'll tell you this. It, it's multiple events. It's not just a single. It's not just a single day. This it's, shit was longer you know? than a month. It was, yeah. Yeah. Right, um, so, yeah, Waco Part 2. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, why don't we go ahead? Yeah, we get into it. So, we left off uh, last time uh, on February 28th of 1993. And with over 100 uh, ATF agents surrounding the compound of Mount Carmel, accompanied by three helicopters, and a news team that was very early, about 30 minutes early. Uh, it's been claimed that the news team was told by the ATF agents directly that they were going, there was going to be a raid that morning. Cause I mean, they were talking to press and all that shit, but they were just like, oh, it's going to happen today. People say that that may have happened, but also, uh, 
they just failed to tell them what time to show up. Mm-hmm. And that's why they were just like, let's just go uh, really early. Yeah, they, it was... They, they pretty much... If any of you play video games out there, they got to the stealthy part of the game where they, it recommends that you use stealth, and they had no preparation for any other tactic, but it was super underdeveloped. And it just completely <laughs> imploded. It crashed under the stove. And it didn't work. Very much like the video game, you're going to have to restart from the last checkpoint because it's not. this is not going to fly. <laughs> exactly. It's exactly like that. But yeah, so they, they showed up. It, the, the raid was scheduled to happen around like 10 o'clock. They showed up at like 9.30. All right? <laughs> like, oh, shit. So they are just like, oh, God, I hate when this happens. So the first one, I'm going to greet everybody. But uh, so the news team, uh, however, was merely uh, they were the confirmation for the Branch Davidians of what they already knew was coming. Because apparently, on the way to Mount Carmel, the news team asked a local mail carrier, uh, like how to get to the compound, like mm-hmm. how to get to Mount Carmel. And so, and they proceeded to tell the mail carrier, they're just like, "Well, we gotta go cover this raid. Uh, there's a raid that's gonna go out on this compound." And it turned out that the mail carrier was David Koresh's brother-in-law. Yes. So that's just... So he like, got, come on. They got the tip off. And I do think it's funny because a lot of places won't, won't tell the little tidbit of information. But when once they knew this was going to happen in the compound, uh, there was actually someone in there that was supposed to be a secret agent and yeah, kind of Robert Rodriguez. Yeah, and he kinda like gave up his his whole like undercover thing and Koresh knew and he was just like it, it wasn't your typical <laughs> yeah. cult leader thing. He was like get out of here. Just yeah. Get out of no, here. He, <laughs> like there's there's like reports that like he was just like, Oh shit, my cover might be blown. And he like made up an excuse he said to like leave. But it's like they knew. <laughs> they knew. Because <laughs> he just fucked. He was like, oh, there's going to be a raid. Uh, I'm going to. I have to go water the plants or something. <laughs> like he just he made up an excuse and he left. And actually, when they. <laughs> like when. Uh, when he was asked what the, they were doing when he left, he informed them that they were. Uh, they were just praying. They were just praying. They were just praying. Like, uh, yeah. So David Koresh and all of them knew that this was going to happen. And they just start praying. Because. I like that. They they didn't seem to want to fight, right? Yeah, they definitely don't want any violence. They really weren't fighters. Yeah, and I mean, contrary to the belief of the ATF and the FBI and everyone else on the outside, <laughs> they I, I, the case can be made that they were stockpiling weapons for some type of nefarious activity. But pretty much every ounce of evidence ever collected would show us that that isn't the case. Yeah, yeah. It is a lot to do with, like, authority mixed with the media who was in bed with them. Let's get into the initial yeah. raid, speaking of how nonviolent they were. Uh, so They didn't uh, know what to do. <laughs> so at 10 a.m., uh, dozens of ATF agents were loaded up into cattle cars with tarps on them <laughs> uh, so as to not you raise know. any red flags as they approached. <laughs> like somebody in that compound's like, you know, I've never seen a cattle car come in here before. Why are there two of them? Why are there so many cattle cars coming up? We don't even have beef. Why is that cow sneezing? <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, so these uh, these these cattle cars full of ATF agents pull up, and uh, the agents then exit the cattle cars all around the compound and begin to attempt to enter. Right, so they're setting it all up. Uh, when it comes to who fired first, there's a lot of debate, uh, but 
very shortly after the arrival, shots began uh, being fired. ATF agents heard a gunshot and proceeded to all just absolutely unload on this fucking place. But mm-hmm. um, when it comes to who fired first, the prevailing theory is that it was an accidental discharge of a firearm by an ATF agent. And there's actual, like, footage of this. Like, a guy going up on the roof, he's reaching for his, like, sidearm, like his his uh, his fucking uh, handgun. Mm-hmm. And it's not even out of the holster. He just fucking shoots himself in the leg. Well, which just sets off everyone around him just like, oh, fuck, and they just unload. Right, and they use, because there were watchtowers outside of the compound, but they're, they use this excuse because Koresh had, I forget, I don't know what the, they had like a moniker, but he pretty much had his like tight-knit group. It was like the seven dudes that he trusted the most. Yeah. And... They were pretty much, their job was to guard the compound. And the way the ATF sees it was that uh, they have a bunch of guys in guard towers with weapons at us. And pretty much the Branch Davidians at that time, they were pretty open about saying that no one was in the watchtowers because it was the morning. Yeah. So. And even the fact that they knew that fucking they were coming. They knew about the raid because of the mail carrier brother-in-law. They knew about it that morning. They were just like, it's. Don't put anyone up. Talk about like time fun. and place, dude. That mailman was just in the right spot. <laughs> He's like, I have such important information. And for that, like, three minutes where Koresh didn't know and the guy that asked the mailman didn't know, he was the only one in the world that had the power to alter <laughs> what was about to happen. <laughs> Pretty much, dude. Can you imagine the weight of that? Ugh. But uh, So regardless of all of this, the ATF claims to this day that they were victims of an ambush and were simply defending themselves in this situation. Yeah, because okay. they, I, we swarmed <laughs> this guy's house and they shot at us, and I, that's an ambush. It's like, they can you prove us. that they shot at you? It's like, no, I thought, though. I thought so. So well, we drove up there uh, kind of illegally and just started to go and in. All these and guns were going off. Like, it was so loud. But yeah, so immediately as <laughs> shots began, uh, however, the Branch Davidians called fucking 911. Yeah. Because yeah, they're just they like, did. there's some fucking people shooting in our house. Uh, you can actually hear the recordings of D- David Koresh's recordings. A lot of those are online. Uh, uh, they're, yeah, his phone calls to 911 during the initial raid. Yeah. Uh, speeches he gave while under siege. And then what they think uh, is roughly about an hour before his death, there's also. Uh, audio footage of him speaking. There's a whole plethora. Because, again, shit. this went on for more than... Not the shoot... We'll get into that. Yeah, yeah you'll, you'll yeah, see. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see. But, uh, so, uh, during all this, all the shooting, all this craziness, all this terrible stuff, uh, there was a mother who was nursing a baby who was shot through the hand, and the exit wound came out of her elbow. So she just kind of got, like, a... Uh, she, she got hollowed out in her arm. Yeah. Can you uh, like with the, go, with the baby you go to the hospital, it's like, okay, where does it hurt? You're like, everywhere. <laughs> All up in here on this side. This entire part of my body. <laughs> there was also another man who was, uh, he was, he was shot and killed in his bedroom by bullets coming through the ceiling and walls because all three of the uh, helicopters were filled with ATF agents. And uh, they were also firing down onto the compound. And the compound's water supply was destroyed in this process. And uh, so all I think all these things warrant a call to nine one one, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't see why not, <laughs> right? Dude, fucking Koresh was shot in the stomach during the first like few minutes of all this, prompting the nine one one call, uh, and that was made by Branch Davidian member 
uh, Wayne Martin, who begged uh, for a ceasefire because uh, there was a lot of gunfire. Like, yeah. during during this call specifically, <laughs> it's just like, yeah, there's men and wi- there's like men, women, and children inside here. Many of us are injured. We're not firing on you guys. Like, fucking, please stop it. And, like, in the phone call, you can hear just a thunder. And, just yeah. thunder of all these gunshots going off. And he's like, do you hear that? And he, like, held it up. He's like, that's not us. <laughs> I mean, you got to think, even if you choose to believe that these are cult members or something... These people aren't fighters. Even Koresh, as weird as this guy is, I'm almost certain that he's never handled a gun in a situation like this. They aren't fighters. And, like, he said they weren't firing at the time that this call was made. But though that was true at the time, some of the members of the cult, they just ended up returning fire out of absolute desperation and fear of their lives. Because, you know, you got all these fucking... People with guns trying to shoot you through the windows of your house. This is not a Randy Weaver scenario. This is, is very not. different. The ATF couldn't handle one guy and his family. They think they're going to fucking get this 130 people out of this compound. And I think the best part of the whole situation of this, or at least to me like the most ironically funny, is that when they call the police, they, uh, they're they telling them what's going on. Blah, blah, blah. The police have no idea because the ATF... And the FBI and everyone involved in any of these things, they never told the police what was going to happen. They told the news, but <laughs> yeah. they didn't tell the police. So the cops are genuinely like, are you shitting me? There's a firefight somewhere in town? <laughs> like, like, I think There's hundreds of people involved? They're like, I think play. it's the government. He's like, are you shitting me? Like, they didn't know. So, like, they're <laughs> kind of... Our bosses are trying to kill you? <laughs> they're kind of somewhere in the middle of, like... Well, what do we do? Oh, like fuck, <laughs> uh, dude! Some of this craziness that was that was unfolding. There were ladders placed against the east side of the compound to allow the ATF agents to attempt to to get into uh, Koresh's room, as well as the storage room with the cache of guns that they were selling. Uh-uh. Uh, so three ATF agents went over the west slope of the roof by Koresh's room, but as they approached, they were met with gunfire. And, surprise, uh, surprise, surprise, surprise. So one agent died. Uh, another one was wounded. And the third went back to the other side of the roof <laughs> to help uh, attempt to get into the arms room. So he was just like, fuck that. And he uh, went over to a different group. So on this side, three more agents smashed a window of the uh, the cache room of uh, weapons there and threw a flash grenade inside. And then they made their way inside. But when another agent tried to get through the window behind them, uh, he was shot and injured, and he was able to make his way back to the ladder and slide to safety. So for this guy, an ATF agent supplying cover fire for this uh, retreating wounded agent, uh, he fired a shotgun at the Branch Davidians repeatedly until he was shot in the head and killed. Damn. All right. So inside, however, the three agents that made it in, they entered the room, and uh, uh, they shot and killed a Branch Davidian. So they just they just killed a person. Um, yeah. Uh, only to then uh, come under heavy fire in retaliation. So two of them were injured. Uh, they made their way back out the window while the third provided fire, uh, cover fire, you know. Uh-huh. And uh, killing yet another Branch Davidian. And this guy who was uh, providing the fire, the cover fire, I don't know why I keep just saying fire. The cover fire. It's all just fire. Yeah, it's all you fire. Know. But uh, this ATF agent, uh, he on his way back out onto the roof, he smacked his head 
on a wooden support beam, and he fell off the roof. And he survived. Poor man. I just thought that was kind of funny. Yeah, that is a That's little interesting. Hilarious. Fun and fact. I, I do just want to lighten it a little bit here. Uh, hey, before you lighten it, no, go ahead, go ahead. there was a guy providing cover fire for that guy who smacked his head, and he was uh, also shot and killed. Ooh. You see a lot of people dying already. A lot of people are dying. It's just bam, bam, boom. You know? uh, just it's just a little interesting thing. Uh, we keep referring to the uh, like the cachet where they have all the weaponry. I just think it's adorable. Uh, they referred to it as the mag bag. That's what they <laughs> called it. That's kind of cute. Uh, yeah, so whenever they would need to put things in there, anything Koresh would just say, like, oh, you know, go put that in the mag bag. And they just knew that that was where all the guns were. It's fun. You know? It's, it's a fun, yeah, it's like, it makes, it takes some of the tension off. You're like, oh, this all happened <laughs> like, in the mag bag. It's the mag bag. Ugh. But yeah, so. Uh, Dead. Death. Yeah, they, yeah they, they, a lot of them died. Uh, so this whole initial raid went on for like two hours. Though the gunfire began to lose its intensity after the first like 45 minutes. Because the ATF agents were like, oh wait. Uh, we don't have all the fucking bullets in the world, and we've already fired thousands into this fucking, just into the walls, into the windows. And so it kind of died down prepared. after that. Yeah. Second time in less than a year, you didn't come prepared. <laughs> and uh, so it was another like hour and 15 minutes uh, until it was completely over because they uh, they completely ran out of ammo. And they retreated. So thousands of rounds were fired. All right, and the lion's share of that came from the ATF. Uh, perhaps tens of thousands. Like it was fucking ridiculous. Like afterwards, stop for two hours. That's a lot of time. That is, dude. Const- like outside of the actual compound, it the ground was only bullet casings. Try mowing that lawn without hurting yourself. It would be a catastrophe for the blades of your mower. Oh God! Yeah, you're, you're gonna have to hand cut that. You're gonna have to shovel. You you have to shovel your yard. Okay, Imagine, like raking bullet casings like leaves. I think it would bust the rake or definitely do something not okay. <laughs> exactly, they're made for leaves. <laughs> so, so it was around eleven forty-five that there was a ceasefire uh, that was ordered, and the ATF were allowed by the Branch Davidians to collect uh, to collect and tend to their wounded and dead. All right. So not a, not a single shot fired after the ATF was like, we're out of bullets, you guys need to stop firing. <laughs> and there, he's like, okay. All right, we've been telling you this for hours. <laughs> it's like, we didn't want this in the first place. All right, so uh, in total, four ATF agents were killed and 16 were injured. In the end, five Branch Davidians were killed, and two of which were mercy killed by the Branch Davidians themselves due to the severity of their injuries and amount of pain that came with it. Yeah, I mean, let's face it. I, I mean, for as crazy as some of these people are in the Branch Davidians, I'm sorry, I'm just going to go out and say that. They're also smart enough to realize they're not going to a hospital. Yeah, like, you know? We're not getting out of this. Like, you're you're, you're in there. You're... Yeah, at least right now, they're not going to give us doctors. <laughs> it's like, hold uh, on, I know you said <laughs> stop shooting. Can we, can we time out for five and go to the hospital? Please, I need just gauze. We just need gauze. All right, so, the, yeah, these five uh, dead Branch Davidians were buried on the compound's property. Ooh. Okay. So uh, so there were a lot of strange things about this initial raid afterward, all right, that it, they appeared in the media, uh, as well as some things that failed to appear in the media, okay? Oh, yeah. So here we go. Uh, 
Uh, first off, there was a lot of footage of the raid that is made in such a way that, uh, I don't know, it, it's it's more conducive to news cycles, I, I suppose. But uh, many of the clips that are shown uh, are obviously very heavily edited. Uh, the most outright example of this is footage of the ATF agents entering the weapons cache, like from the roof. Yeah, we just talked about that. It's, it didn't so, <laughs> really pan out the, that way, you know. Yeah, so the footage that was that was played over and over on the news clearly shows two agents enter the room uh, through the uh, through the smash windows. Okay, and so then there is this obvious cut, and after which, and they got it, and we won. Yeah. <laughs> so after which, the ATF agent who initially smashed the window and threw a uh, flashbang stun grenade inside appears to throw it in after his two colleagues went in there. And, like, how does that make sense unless he's, like, directly sabotaging the mission? It was just a prank. He's like, all right, my, my friends are in there. I'm going to throw a flashbang. It's, it's like, that's the, that's some Call of Duty humor. It's not for real life, like, when you're just, like, you. these guys were writing their blood types on their fucking arms just in case they, they knew this was dangerous. They're not going to just throw that shit in there. It's okay. They're the rookies. You know, you got to you got to hate them. They fucking a acted bit. like it, that's for sure. You got to show them who's boss. It's like, this is what we do to the new recruits. For the ATF, they didn't really know how to use their guns very well. Yeah, they're probably not super fun at parties either, even though <laughs> they're named after alcohol. Yeah, no drugs, no alcohol. No guns. But anyway, <laughs> so uh yeah, that makes no sense. He was probably sabotaging it or it's so appears yet uh yeah there, another little factoid uh regarding press the authorities gave the branch davidians a camera okay so this was kind of afterward uh it was the fbi specifically they gave them a camera for the purposes of filming the women and children inside to confirm that they were okay right they were just like just let us know that everyone's all right in there just do a little video like let us just see them so, uh, this happened, right? So, however, once the footage was obtained by the FBI, officials thought the footage would nurture pity in the uh, public eye for Koresh and his followers. We don't because want them to there feel are so human. many fucking children and elderly people and women, and, like, Koresh interviewed them and, like, how much they love it there and why they don't know why this is happening and, like, all this shit. <laughs> and, like, Koresh is like, this is my bullet wound, it's on his stomach, and, like... <laughs> Really so painting them like assholes. Yeah, basically. So the official report was that they uh, they they didn't allow this to go to the press and be seen by the public because they were just like, well, we don't want to be seen as the bad guys here, right? <laughs> we're not. We're good. Yeah. So uh, the press was simply just not on the side of the Branch Davidians, which became very apparent during the following 51-day siege. Uh, we'll get yeah. into here in a second. But during that... Um, the Branch Davidians made a sign that read, uh, God help us, we need the press. And upon seeing this, a group of reporters were filmed uh, with their arms around each other, smiling and saying in unison, God help us, we are the press. God Which help like, us. It's like, oh, wow. <laughs> so the authorities on every level are against the Branch Davidians, and uh, they, they get the uh, the press in their fucking pockets. Yeah, that sounds, sounds accurate, you know. Mm-hmm. There you go. It's just it just happens. So we mentioned the video, okay, that 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 you made of the inside of the compound, and uh, it was not released. It was made but not released. This video was requested of the cult 
by uh, the FBI, who were brought in following the deaths of the four federal agents, because they're just like, oh, this is, this is serious now. So the head of the FBI hostage rescue team, the HRT, uh, was Commander Richard Rogers, who was heavily criticized after his handling of the Ruby Ridge siege. Right? Because he didn't... Because he fucked that one he, up, he too. He fucking splattered that man's wife's uh, head all over the fucking counter. Uh, it wasn't good. Uh, uh, mm, not the best. Rest in peace, Stryker. Oh, Stryker's demise. Uh-huh. Go back and listen to that episode if you want to learn more about that. But um, So it only makes sense that the footage was kept from the public, right? Considering how many children and elderly folk were, uh, were featured and interviewed, uh, Rogers doesn't want to further tarnish his reputation, you know? So both blue and green, not green, gold, HRT uh, tactical teams were mobilized in Waco and the pressure was on, okay? There was a team of 25 FBI uh, negotiators who supplied the cult with a phone and were the only contacts to the outside world that I'm the British Davidians you. had because they shut off the fucking power lines, electricity, and water to the compound. I'm giving you a cellular device. <laughs> You can use it however you want. This is new technology. Do not call State an the ambulance. <laughs> if you call an ambulance, I swear to God. No, that was another thing. Uh, the, as the uh, the initial siege was going on, the uh, there was like the the main newscaster guy who was there. He called nine one one as well. He's like, we need like every fucking ambulance in the county out here, and they were like on the phone for a sec, and the operator's just like, um. So everyone, every single ambulance in the county is already there. <laughs> so, <laughs> shit, it was fucked. But, uh, so anyway, yeah, we got the mobilized tactical teams. We got 25 FBI negotiators. Uh, we got no fucking electricity, phone lines, water. So during the first few days of this uh, 51-day siege, the negotiators felt that they had made a breakthrough with Koresh because he agreed to come out peacefully with all of his followers so long as the FBI took a radio broadcast he had recorded and broadcasted it nationally. And they did it. They just suckers. He, he fucking did it. So after the broadcast happened, it was, it was just like him talking. Uh, however, uh, Koresh told the negotiators uh, that God had informed him to stay in the compound and, quote, Wait. So he's just waiting. So that's cool. Uh, following this, 19 children, ranging from uh, the ages of 5 months to 12 years old, uh, they were allowed to leave the compound. None were accompanied by parents, though there were some uh, some like caretakers that were members of the uh, Branch Davidians. Uh-huh. So, uh, but Koresh had made it clear uh, to both his followers and the FBI that they could leave at any point. Like, all the members were free to leave if they chose to do so. Right? This is, this is another thing that kind of sets them apart from other cult leaders. Uh, yeah. Even with the 19 children being removed uh, from the compound, 98 people still remained inside. All right? So that's a lot of fucking... That is a lot. It's a lot of uh, bodies. So, uh, many were wounded, including Koresh, and 23 children still remained in the compound. As the siege wore on, the FBI began like to become divided, in a way. Because there was a side, there was like a group of people 
It desperately wanted all the negotiators to handle the entire situation. And it's just like, all right, let's get it out peacefully. We don't got to, like, rush this necessarily. Uh, Times against them, we can just negotiate with them. But then other ones were just like, well, we we really want to do some tactical force with aggressive techniques. So what was the compromise? They both just did their thing at the same time. Okay. There was uh, there was negotiation going on at the same time as these aggressive techniques. For example, uh, in order to deprive the Branch Davidians of sleep, the FBI blasted deafeningly loud audio of jet planes, uh, pop songs such as Nancy Sinatra's These Boots Are Made For Walking. <laughs> These boots are made for walking. <laughs> as well as recordings of rabbits being slaughtered. Have you ever heard that? I no, I can't say I have. You don't. I mean, just for the sake of this, you you might uh, benefit in looking it up just to see how fucking crazy that is to just blast that noise. Whoever's listening, just just look up uh, <laughs> just look up, look up rabbits being slaughtered. Just do it like uh, in like a private server or some shit if you don't want to be on a list of some sort. But in any case, uh, I want to look it up. <laughs> do it right now. All right, I will. Look it up. Come on. You keep talking. I'm going right. to look this up. All right, so we got the bunnies being slaughtered. Uh, so, yeah, they're they're using these fucking terrible, crazy techniques of uh, depriving these people of sleep. There uh, was also a point where an FBI negotiator, who seemed to be in the negotiation, but also the tactical, aggressive sort of thing, uh, he heavily implied on the phone that they could just burn down the compound at any point. Uh, to which the Branch Davidians uh, kind of, uh, they responded with the fact that they only had one fire extinguisher in the entire place. And to this, the FBI agent responded, somebody ought to buy some fire insurance. Fire insurance? <laughs> which is like, so lame, but it's so also real. All right, um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to see if this is an actual sound. Now this is someone just explaining. I want to hear no, the... We got to hear the... I want to hear the, the scream. You got it? That, that sounded like, uh, what's her name? <laughs> the narrator? We're, we're straying already. <laughs> uh, it's Gillian Anderson. Uh, Gillian Anderson. Uh, what's her name? She's talking about rabbits being slaughtered? Uh, Scully? Oh, really? Yeah. That oh, was her. Nice. So that's what she's doing nowadays. I'll be right? honest. I'm trying to find videos, and I, I I'm gonna wait till I'm done. Yeah, there, maybe we just a rabbit hole. Yeah. <laughs> oh no! But yeah, all right. So, <laughs> so if you can find uh, noises of rabbits being slaughtered, just just know. All right, just, just try to find it. So, uh, yeah, better buy some fire insurance. Uh, during all of this, Koresh was continuing to negotiate more time. Right, he claimed that God had ordered him to write a text. And was not to leave until he was finished with it. Okay. Uh, many negotiators took the call, took to calling all of the uh, things that Koresh would talk to them about on the phone, Bible babble, which is really fun to say. Uh, so, needless to say, these negotiators did not take Koresh or his reasonings for remaining inside of the compound seriously. So hope is dwindling. Wasn't really there to begin with. All hope is lost. All hope is lost. Root, you're doomed. We're losing You're doomed, it. kid. We're losing it. I'm going crazy. <laughs> so outside of the compound, uh, at this point, like we're you know, maybe a month into the siege, right? They're just kind of waiting them out. 
Outside of the compound, there were nine Bradley fighting vehicles. And I looked these fucking things up. They're basically tanks. These There's nine tanks. As well as five M728 uh, combat engineer vehicles patrolling. And they were used to, like, take down fences and, like, fucking clear areas and stuff. So they were taking down fences all around the compound. They were running over Branch Davidian's cars that they had personally bought. You know, it's their their property. And they also repeatedly were running over the grave sites of the fallen Branch Davidians. Oh. Even though uh, the Branch Davidians called them up and like, hey, can you, like, not do that? And also the negotiators were kind of pissed at the guys driving, but... So, yeah, they were... They were driving over graves. It sounds accurate. It really does. I just, mean, a, just a little more disrespect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, after it began ramping up, uh, fucking Jesus. Uh, due to the lack of resources, uh, after, you know, all this, all this shit's going on, due to lack of resources, uh, those inside the compound were forced to survive on rainwater and uh, old military rations that they had stockpiled. Luckily, right? Mm, yes, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so after things began ramping up with the military vehicles a, uh, and uh, continued peace disruption, Koresh ordered a small group of his followers to leave the compound. Interesting, right? So, 11 members left the compound, and they were immediately arrested as material witnesses. And uh, one was charged with conspiracy to murder. Isn't that just fucking crazy? But of these 11 people, none of them were children, because all 23 children remained inside of the compound willingly, due to the fact that the children that were chosen to leave, chosen to leave uh, previously, accompanied by the caregiving women uh, from the compound, they were immediately separated from one another and placed under state custody, followed by hours of interrogation. Okay. Terrible, okay. terribleness. All right. And it was from a lot of these extensive interrogations of these fucking children between the ages of five months and 12 years uh, that uh, these ex- extremely young children, right? Uh, that authorities got statements, statements from children that young after hours. I don't know. But uh, they got statements of what they saw as sexual and physical abuse. And this was ultimately what led to the FBI getting permission. Uh, from both Bill Clinton and Attorney Gen- new Attorney General at the time, Janet Reno, to use tear gas attacks to force the Branch Davidians from the compound. Mm-hmm. Okay. Nice. Right. It is nice. It's not great. I don't think it's actually very good. But around April 12th, all right, so we're, we're long into this fucking siege, all right? Uh, April 12th, the FBI considered the idea of having snipers attempt to kill Koresh, along with the other Genius. key, <laughs> along with the other key uh, branch division members. <laughs> oh yes, we just kill him. We just do it. Uh, so though this this idea was kind of scrapped almost immediately because everyone was just thinking of the People's Temple back in '73 with fucking Jim Jones, and they were like everyone's going to commit suicide. Uh, so they didn't do that. Do that though. Uh, Koresh and all the people that came out and were interviewed said there was no such plan. They were not going to do that. Uh, So, yeah. A week later, it happened. This was April 19th of 1993. 
Yes. Okay. So, this is the final frontier. Yeah. April, it's not a good month for these individuals. No. But let me, I just want to, it's, it's funny because this is taking place on April 19th, right? And Janet Reno, uh, she is the U.S. Attorney General at this point in time. She has been petitioning to get the proper warrants to go in and officially pretty much kill or just do what they need to do with no repercussion. She was far more on the side of aggression to just end this. And she appealed this to the president himself, uh, Bill Clinton, and she brought this up because on April 19th of 1985, a siege happened in Arkansas, and that was involving the Covenant, the Sword, and the Arm of the Lord, which was a militant Baptist group uh, out in Arkansas. Man, say what you want about that cult. That is a fantastic name. It is. It's that is like the most. Uh, do Baptists hate music? They I, must. I worked with some Baptists who were waitresses, and they said they weren't allowed to listen to music. Baptists just don't like women, and mostly women. They don't like women to just enjoy anything. Yeah, they all had skirts, and they didn't like them, but they they did it. But anyway, that. But, but it's such a sing-songy title for it's people that true. hate that. I don't know. But either way, go on. But the siege that occurred uh, with the covenant, the sword, and the arm of the Lord, that's the last time I'm going to say that because I hate having to say that all at once. No, you got to sing it. Uh, when that happened, uh, there was no bloodshed during the siege. They did this by performing a military-style blockade, and they didn't put a deadline on the siege, so eventually everyone just peacefully came out. And Janet Reno wanted to do it her way, and Bill Clinton pretty much was like, well, why can't you do it like this? Like, we shouldn't we shouldn't get crazy here. And then she keeps petitioning. It's costing uh, the government over $1 million per day that they're present uh, in Waco. And that's in no way the government itself's fault. No way. Right. And she pitches that this is different than the Covenant, the Sword, and the Arm of the Lord because <laughs> she believes that murder... And child pedophilia is occurring at an extreme rate in here. So this is a very different circumstance. After he hears this, Bill Clinton gives her the go-ahead, and he says, you know what, go ahead. You're the attorney general. You do what you got to do. This is your business. So I'm going to I'm going to give you a little – actually, you know what, I'll go through the timeline first, just so that way I'm not jumping around here. So – at 5.50 a.m. on April 19th of 1993, uh, the agents call the Branch Davidian compound on that fancy little phone that they got, and they're telling them, here's the deal, take cover, we're bringing in tanks. So they give them warning. Um, it's supposedly said by agents that branch, a Branch Davidian member that was unnamed took the phone and threw it out the window, but it that doesn't... You'll see why that is untrue later in this story. <laughs> it's kind of funny if it did happen, though. Um, five minutes later, at 5.55 a.m., the FBI hostage rescue team, they send out two armored vehicles into the building. Uh, one goes to the left, one goes to the right. Both sides are covered. Everything's happy. <laughs> um, 6 a.m., the FBI surveillance tapes that they had planted in the wall... Uh, they started playing, 
and they started screaming, "Everybody, wake up! Let's start to pray! Let's start to pray!" And they keep it keeps repeating and repeating. And at this time, the vehicle that had merged to the left, uh, they were ordered to start throwing tear gas into the building. Five minutes later, uh, the ar- another armored vehicle shows up, and they start ramming the door. And now they're pumping tear gas into the building. Uh, from a hole in the wall on the right part of the compound, they're shoving it into this hole, filling it with all this shit. Uh, at this point, uh, an agent says that he hears gunfire from in the compound. Uh, he believes it's coming towards him. Um, at 610, this is kind of where the FBI got in trouble because it was recorded, uh... I've actually heard this, that uh, they tried to bring charges up on this, but nothing came of it. Uh, Uh, Of course. The FBI agents were yelling into the compound, pretty much making fun of everyone. And he's telling them, like, hey, don't don't come out yet. Like, we want, there's going to be your time. Don't worry. So they start to antagonize these Branch Davidians uh, in there. And that is proven. We know that that happened. Just openly. Mm-hmm. These American uh, citizens. By 6.12 a.m., Branch Davidians were heard inside the compound pretty much understanding that they were going to die or that they weren't going to stop until they were dead. So this uh, this is happening. About 20 minutes later at 6.30, uh, the entire building has officially been gassed or covered in tear gas. So everyone inside is getting their shit rocked. They're getting gassed. Mm-hmm. Crying. That wasn't enough, though, because 15 minutes later, at 6.47, the hostage rescue team, they start firing plastic, non-explosive tear gas rounds into the windows. So, yeah, just take some more. So just Yeah, get, get some more in there. Take a bigger hit. Uh, by 7.23, uh, the surveillance recordings by the FBI show that Branch Davidian members are ready to burn the compound to the ground as they have been quoted running around saying... The fuel has to go all around to get started, and then a second person chimes in and says, well, there's two cans here, if that's poured soon. All right. So now they're talking about burning it down. Interesting. Um, so now the armored vehicles, they're inserting more tear gas. It's 7.30 a.m. Um, it pretty much just keeps doing this, even all the way up until 8 o'clock. Uh, they're still firing tear gas. <laughs> I think there's enough tear gas in there. Like, yep. You can probably move in, right? Uh-huh. Uh, at 9 a.m., uh, the Branch Davidians unfurl a banner on the side of the building that says, we want our phone fixed. So that would, again, the agent earlier said that he threw it out the window. Well, no, they're trying to use it right now. And yeah, it's just not, it's not working. And 13 minutes later, they were uh, they received an answer to their banner unfurling uh, by the front door being broken down by an armored vehicle and more tear gas being put into the building. Jesus fuck, dude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so much tear gas. Uh, by 10 a.m., there is a man on the southeast side of the compound waving a white flag outside of the windows. Uh he is told over the loudspeakers that if he feels that he wants to surrender, he needs to come out. Uh, he doesn't, but they they think this guy. It was a uh, what's his, his last name? I don't know what it is. It's something. 
<laughs> they think it's some guy Koresh was close with. Yeah, it, it may have been like one of his top guys or something. Like uh, there were definitely Davidians beneath him that he put in higher power. Yeah. So at 10 a.m. they see that the guy doesn't come out when they tell him to come out, and he goes outside to pick up the phone line and the phone that's outside. So he picks that up, and then at 11:30, one of the armored vehicles uh, starts having mechanical issues. Um, so they bring in a replacement that just drives through the side of the wall and it just takes down the whole wall. (laughs) Nothing is going right for anyone here. It's no, (laughs) why why don't they, they're making so many mistakes. (laughs) Yeah. And it keeps going. This is all, it's not even noon. No, it's not even noon. Uh, at 1143, uh, they start putting more gas into the building uh, they are noting that the Branch Davidians are trying to avoid the gas, but... Uh, oh, you don't say. A little impossible. Uh, by 11.45, the wall on the right back side of the compound is torn down. Um, then by 12.03 p.m. now, or it's just afternoon, they bring in an armored vehicle with a machine gun on it, and uh, it it shoots out the corners of the entire first floor of the building. <laughs> What what is their plan here? Like, what what do they, they think just, is gonna happen? They're just like, oh, they'll all come out the other side. It's like, no, just. I think they just wanted them dead. You don't need a turret. What? Do you, <laughs> there's kids in there. Um, at twelve oh seven uh p.m. So noon seven. Noon seven. At noon seven, uh, this is when the first uh visible flame is seen by agents. They're honestly, if they're that dumb maybe they didn't pick up on it yet but uh they're trying to burn the place down <laughs> oh i was looking completely in the wrong direction it's like no turn around holy shit it's on fire yep like that's pretty much these guys we're dealing with a couple minutes after uh the first flame is seen uh branch davidian ruth riddle exits the building with a floppy disk hidden in her pocket uh and that contained david koresh's book uh, the manuscript on the seven seals. Ooh. Uh, by this point, it's twelve ten. Uh, the building is slowly becoming engulfed in flames. Uh, they're seen on every floor of the compound. Uh, at twelve twelve, the fire department is brought in to try and put out the fire. They get there ten minutes later, so they weren't prepared for this. No, I guess. no, they were just like, no, we're not going. It's not going to go up in flames. It's just gas. Yeah. That. Yeah, so they get there, and then within a couple minutes of them getting there, 12.25 p.m., there's a huge explosion on the left side of the compound. Objects are flying through the air. They're landing on shit. The grass is on fire now. There's a huge explosion. Uh, Five minutes later, that is followed by the entire roof of the compound coming in on itself. Is this a fucking Michael Bay movie? Yeah. Yep. (laughs) <laughs> yep. Yep, it actually it actually is. Oh, I'm sorry, my mistake. Uh the fire trucks uh that did arrive earlier, they weren't the full uh kit and caboodle and at 12:43 we forgot the goddamn tanks of water. 15 minutes after the roof had collapsed, the rest of the trucks, the fire trucks uh came to try and help. Uh within 10 minutes of them getting there, they started getting it under control. But everything's fucking done. And then at 3.45 p.m. is when an an official law enforcement source hears and states that David Koresh is dead. Now, 
all of this is happening, right? I want to just give you a quick little thing that happened after. So they did autopsies on, like, almost everybody they found in this compound. Because so many people died. Like, yeah. so many people. Like yeah. It was, like, 83. Oh, yeah. Died. Um, so most of the women and children uh, were killed when the roof collapsed. They suffered skull and bodily injuries from falling debris. Because the guy with the turret just wanted to fire it for once. Uh-huh. Um, some of the other children were killed by, uh, cyanide poisoning, and they initially wanted to blame David Koresh, uh, similar to Jim Jones. Uh, Jim Jones actually did it, but they wanted to blame Koresh and say that he poisoned them. When he didn't poison them, uh, cyanide is, on occasion, a byproduct of burning CS gas, and that is the tear gas they used in the building. That was on fire, so it just makes sense. So a lot of people, uh, they died from either cyanide poisoning or the body had traces of benzene in it, which is one of the compounds in the same gas, and it poisons you. Um, So then they also found that 20 Branch Davidians were shot, uh, David Koresh included, and five children under the age of 14. They were the people that were killed by bullets. Uh, and then they also found uh, multiple people, mostly children. Uh, there was a three-year-old that was stabbed in the chest. And the autopsy, they can only get so much, but they pretty yeah. much think that that was like a mercy kill. Probably. Because it was All a baby. the gunshots were probably mercy kills. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, they went down in fucking flames. Like, they went down hard. And, I mean, if you don't think that's enough... What's I mean? Okay, I guess we'll stop here for a minute and just kind of assess. Let's just what let we've this seep in with. a little bit. Um, we just so, lost close to a hundred people. In a sense, I mean, I'm gonna I'll paint this to you in both pictures. You can either see this as they were a cult that had potentially nefarious reasons for stockpiling weapons and living on their own. And they something needed to be done about it. Or you could choose to see it as they're a group of individuals that believe something that most people might not believe. And they believe it wholeheartedly enough that they will live their lives together on this compound. And the government pretty much said no, no, no and killed them all. Yeah, and the government saying no, no, no pretty much kind of started with their whole like gun scenario. The mm-hmm. fact that they're using gun shows and not paying taxes on them, and it seems like they're cacheting things. So they, they can paint this however they want. Plus, the meth lab uh, that they found initially when they moved into the uh, the fucking compound mm-hmm. that they called and got removed and had the people who ran it arrested. They use that in the history of the property as an excuse to go in as well. It's like all these government agencies really didn't need to be involved in this. Yeah, and isn't the ATF? Included. Like, they didn't even need to do anything. They just didn't like the non-tax. There is zero proof that would show any reason why the government would need to intervene with the Branch Davidians up until this point. Now, that's not to say that... I mean, there could have been more. Maybe it it could have spawned into something nefarious. But at least at the time of these events, there was no actual proof that 
gave anybody reason to believe that. And how it all unfolded was overkill for even if they did have that shit. But right. they didn't. And <laughs> They were just fucking these people's lives up. This is where it gets connected to Ruby Ridge because it is heavily, heavily believed uh, that the government left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouth with what they did at Ruby Ridge. And if you want to be honest, they might have had more of a right to do what they did at Ruby Ridge than they did in Waco, Texas. Yeah, because that guy was fucking selling a, an illegally sawed-off shotgun. It was too short. It le- and he was selling it. At least privately. there was a like, crime involved in yeah. that one. But oh, it's pretty much... It's it's all but openly accepted at this point. That, His wife holding a baby didn't deserve to die. Well, His no. son or but striker. It, it's pretty much... common knowledge now that the only reason this happened was it wanted to restore some faith in the government after the botched siege of Ruby Ridge and they saw this as an opportunity to do it the right way and make people believe in them again and think that if this were to happen they would be they would have it under control and this it it totally backfired it botched the redemption it totally backfired Idiots. Because little did they know, uh, <laughs> Timothy McVeigh would, uh, he'd really have something to say about that, wouldn't he? <laughs> he, yeah, yeah, just two years later, well, yeah, everyone that, knew his name. Yeah, well, that's definitely a topic. We'll that's cover something else, yeah. In argue, probably the immediate future, just because it's very connected to this. Yeah, why not? He Part of his excuse was that he was very pissed off at the government for how they handled these situations, and specifically Waco, because he was at Waco. He was not a Branch Davidian, but Ted Kaczynski drove to Texas during the whole 52-day standoff to go down there and take pictures and see what was going on. Ted Kaczynski or Timothy McVeigh? Or Timothy McVeigh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I was going to say, we're we're mixing mixing bombs, Timothy McVeigh, I'm sorry, Timothy McVeigh. Kaczynski. Yeah, Timothy McVeigh went to Waco while this is happening. And, I mean, I'm not... I, yeah, okay, I want to blame the government, but it's not as simple as that. I mean, there, there's definitely arguments on both sides of the coin here of who was right and who was wrong. I would say the way it was handled was totally wrong. No, yeah, but we, there were four ATF agents in total for this entire thing that were dead. Yeah. Seventy-six people died on the last day. Mm-hmm. That's not including the people that already died beforehand. That makes eighty-three on Koresh's side. Like, yeah, it's a lot of death and fucking not even a. There's there's an entire fucking area just surrounding the compound, full of like casings. Can't even see the grass. Now, be- Are you shitting me? before I before I give some final thoughts, I there's a couple things. They obviously this went to court, right? Uh, after all this happened, um, eight Branch Davidian members uh, were convicted on firearm charges, and many of those were given sentences up to forty years. So we had Kevin Whitecliffe; uh, he was convicted of manslaughter, forty year sentence. Uh, Jamie Castillo convicted of manslaughter, forty-year sentence. Uh, then we kind of we kind of slow it down a little bit. We have Paul Gordon Fata. Uh, he was convicted of conspiracy to possess a machine gun, 
and he didn't get 40. He got like 25. Uh, the list goes on and on and on. And I, the most interesting part of the story is that they appeal it. They all appeal their sentencing. Uh, the appeals are looked at, and they're said, no, these are fair. And then they appeal that one, and it goes to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court is like, no, none of this is right. Uh, it's like, can you just let these people go? So <laughs> uh, in the most severe cases, they chopped 25 years off of everybody's sentence, and by July of 2007, every Branch Davidian member was out of prison. So... The the one like the heavy players, the ones that were even convicted of manslaughter, they were only in for like fourteen years. It's not yeah. really that bad. <laughs> it's not very good. But you uh, think for I mean, protecting the property? You think the appeals? If you ever do anything with the government, there's a lot of red tape, and any appeal like that, especially with the Supreme Court, you got to wait. Like you're waiting a good amount. Yeah, yeah, they got a lot of stuff on their desk, I guess. But yeah, so the Branch Davidians, uh, they did try uh, some civil suits against the government. Pretty much, it never went anywhere. They got close, but then uh, the opposition appealed it and said that the judge had close connections to the Branch Davidians and it wasn't a fair ruling. And then when they well, did sent he just that show to, compassion, and then pretty much they sent that to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court was like, pretty much like, shut the fuck up. We don't care. This is not our... Bi-. They threw it out, and they yeah. stuck with the judge's ruling. And the judge, while he was empathetic to the Branch Davidians, he also was pretty honest in saying, like, there, there's nothing you can do. Like, take yeah. it as a win that you're not in prison. Like, just, yeah, you know what much. I mean? Like, you're alive, you're not, you don't owe anybody anything. Like, just, that's it. <laughs> he ends the proceedings with... It's a crazy story to tell, though, right? Kind of, like, yeah. That's all they got. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a conversation piece. And yeah, so um, as far as David Koresh, uh, it's it's never really been said openly and honestly by the autopsy reports, but it's pretty believed that he was pretty much just killed in the fire. Like they don't really. They don't say anything more than that. It's kind of speculated that one of his like right hand men shot him in that because there he did that, he had a bullet hole in the center of his goddamn yeah. forehead going straight in, and so they think that one of his right hand men killed him and then killed himself. And you know what? That's I mean, speculated, but who fucking knows? There's a lot of gunfire going off in this entire story. And it's funny because after this. We th- this doesn't happen much anymore. This uh, <laughs> I wonder why the whole idea of the government siege is it's kind of all but non-existent since then. <laughs> well, they're calling the shit at the Capitol a siege. Yeah, I on know. the news that's plastered up there in red, white, and blue. Maybe uh, maybe if it wasn't just a bunch of like nobodies, it'd be like, oh yeah, this is a siege. <laughs> it's like just a not even i don't even want to get political yeah no let's, let's just, not get into that i just i just saw that word on the news today i was like oh that's it's fun. all nonsense that's fun. it's just stupid yeah um everything's dumb david koresh for everything that he was uh maybe he was a pedophile i mean he openly was but maybe it was like <laughs> I, prophet musician pedophile he was everything he had it all and it, he killed himself for it, really. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Waco is 
it's one of those things where it's never going to be totally forgotten. It was... And it's never going to be completely known. There's never going to be factual info on the entire thing. It's very muddled because it, it opens a lot of philosophical questions because at the end of the day... Where where is the line drawn? So they're just practicing their religion, which is you know it's fine. That's what you do here. Now his belief system has him committing pedophilic acts. So there's there's this gray area of is that allowed? Sort of, but they didn't really get into the actual ages of these children. Exactly, and the age of consent, like we talked about in last episode in Texas at this time, was fourteen. So it's so, right, and and that's right around the age of when like uh, girls hit puberty and are able to bear children, which again was his ultimate goal was to have wives. Yeah, and it, it's very muddled around these parts uh, because then, besides that, is it, it? It's not illegal to own weapons in this country, so it's not. It's not illegal to buy them from gun stores either, or sell them in the same way. Right, so we're exactly, it's a bunch of gray areas in the law that allowed this to happen. And it really only happened because of, I mean, exaggerated claims of what was occurring. Yeah, it's all the angles that they chose to hone in on regarding things that actually happened. So I don't want you to think I'm pro-Branch Davidian. However, I'm not pro-anything in this story. I think it's fair (laughs) to say. Especially not the ATF. They got the really shit end of the stick for what they did. I mean, they didn't do anything, and it ended up costing them almost every one of them their lives. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> he said, like, yeah, a few people got charged with stuff in the Branch Davidians. It's pretty much all the ones that were still alive that yeah. weren't killed by the fucking last raid. And honestly, they probably would have killed them if they didn't have cameras. They, they came out of the building. They yeah. probably would have shot mm-hmm. them in the head. But, but they would have just edited it like they did with the fucking footage that they were putting on the news cycle of the initial raid. That's true. You know, like, it's it's all terrible. But None yeah. of it's good. Waco is, it's kind of in a class of its own because, I mean, it is a siege, but it's like, what is it? Is it a cult? Is it a religion? Is it an ideology? Is it, what is it? Like, what is it? Someone <laughs> a, tell me. It's a bunch of political misfire Literally, it's like a hippie more commune sense than one. that prays to God. That's like what it is. Yeah. Like I said, they had, they had fucking go-karts. Oh, they had fun. They had, they had fun out there. You know, it was just the middle of the desert. Uh, this Mount Carmel. It kind of resembled the Mount Carmel from the Bible. It's, it's good. a mountain made of Carmel. The Sermon on the Mount. But yeah, that that is That's Waco. That's pretty much Waco. That yeah. is the Branch Davidians. Now, there's plenty of... Stuff out there where you can watch interviews with members of the Branch Davidians or with Koresh himself. Uh, it's all out there online. You can you can check it out if you're interested. But I mean, I guess at the end of the day, uh, it's it's a, if you really want to form it into one sentence, it's a group of religious extremists that were killed for nothing. Yeah, that that's pretty much what this is. So welcome to America. Yeah, I was watching. Uh... <laughs> a few like documentaries on this and stuff and there was one that was i think it was discovery or history channel or some shit and it was on the side and like you could tell it, the documentary very heavily favored the atf oh yeah there was so much like uh just pity involved in like the shooting of it 
It a lot, was, a lot of crying grown men. The movie was but, uh, produced by the DOJ, and they just want you to know <laughs> what, the what fuck happened. What is that? The Department of Justice. Ah, fuck that. That's fine. I don't know, but there's there's so many different angles that people take on making historic, like see, like uh, cl- claiming that they're historical things that they're making, like films and shows. But it's just from every side, it's a different story. Pretty much. And I also. Uh, uh, accidentally went on the Waco town uh, page, and they're looking for police officers. Nice. So if you're by Waco, go go ahead. So, I guess I don't know. Do, do whatever you want. There's probably bakeries there. You can make bagels. You might be. I'm Some sure. Tex-Mex, you can. Uh, the gun store. We know there's one of those. Texas is the birthplace of the burrito. Could be a so mail carrier. You yeah. can also go down there. Get yourself a burrito. Let's say you're a fan of a chimichanga that was born in Arizona, so you're pretty. You're not that far from the birth of a lot of interesting Mexican food. You can you know? get into whatever food industry in Waco, Texas. Kind of, yeah. yeah. You got that Tex-Mex like food, like that's some good shit. It is. Chili. Um, got some chili. I want to take this opportunity here to thank our newest patrons. Patron. Yeah, it's gonna be. We have. We have an old patron, a buddy of ours, Matt, uh, you know, the Shadow Man you, guy. Yeah, you know, up to your little input he there. Bo- Thank you, Matt. He boosted it. That was, very, that was very sweet of you. I love you. I'll see you Thursday. And then we have a new individual that I, honestly, I, uh, it's it's cool. It's a new new face. Uh, Don't Logan. know you. Glad you're here. So, Logan, thank you very much for your pledge. I hope you enjoy your time. And, uh... Reach out to us to wreak your uh, benefits. Yeah, we us. gotta. Yeah, well, we gotta get you your reward. Though, speaking yeah. of which, we gotta do those fucking drawings. We do. I can hand deliver a lot of them. Oh yeah, I guess we, you could. we could just do that. I guess you could. Uh, yeah. All right. But yeah, that is the show. We'll that was be back Waco. next All Friday. Right. One day closer to February. So we have been starting a cult. We are still. We are. We we're are starting a cult. We're still doing it. And uh, so don't you say that to help us expand. Maybe you follow us on all the shit on Instagram, Twitter. Absolutely. Uh, we're on. We're an Acast. You can stream us anywhere, pretty much, uh, and also email us at startacult@gmail.com. Especially you patrons, uh, uh-huh. send us your demands, and we'll consider them. We love you. So maybe it's the end of the episode. Mitch, what, uh, go on. Bananas. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.